We're all searching for stability or something that lasts. Streaming on Anchor FM Worldwide, Eternal Insight starts now. Here's Anthony Marinese. Good afternoon and good morning wherever you're listening. My name is Anthony Marinese. I am the host of Eternal Insight Radio as well as the other arms of our ministry. We are uh, a publishing branch uh, for academic and spiritual theology as well as uh, life coaching and spiritual direction services. However, you are listening to Eternal Insight Radio and we've got a great show prepared for you today. Um, I've got two awesome guests uh, in studio with us today. I have the Vicar for Evangelization for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, as well as the Development Director for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Together, they are co-chairs for the Tricentennial Committee for the Archdiocese of New Orleans as well. And that's where we're going with this show today, is we're going to be talking uh, about my favorite city in the world and how very special it is um, for them this year, 2018 particularly, the city is celebrating its tricentennial. That's 300 years, and our show today is all about 300 years of Catholicism in the city of New Orleans. New Orleans is a very Catholic city. For those of you who've never been, I suggest going. Those of you who have been, well, then you already know uh, how Catholic it is. It's steeped in its culture and its names for streets and cities. Uh, that surround it, uh, most of the state of Louisiana for that matter. Uh, but New Orleans especially um, is close to uh, my heart uh, for <laughs> a number of reasons, uh, family and friends that I have nearby, and also, um, <laughs> well, actually sort of a native son uh, in many ways, but also very close to my heart because it is close to the heart of Christ. Um, and so today we're actually going to be just talking about the Catholic roots that have built New Orleans and that have impacted and influenced our world in which we live. And so our individuals, as I kind of already gave their rundown and their, their, their titles, which are um, especially, uh, especially lengthy, I imagine, uh, for some of you, but nevertheless, uh, great men, great men. We have the very Reverend David Karen. He is a Dominican priest. Uh, Dominican, do you call yourselves friars? You're friars, all friars, right? Friars. Dominican friars, exactly. And then uh, Peter, but I think he prefers Pete. Either one. Okay, <laughs> Quirk. Pete Quirk. Um, so Father David and Peter are going to be talking with us this afternoon. And so thank you all for listening. We remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at insight underscore eternal. You can also write in um, about any insight, eternal insights that you have related to the show. Eternal insight PM. P as in Paul, M as in Mary, at secretary.net. Write us in with your own eternal insights, your thoughts, your comments about the show. So we're going to jump right into this. So Father David and Peter, I, I really appreciate you guys getting a chance to uh, sit down with me. I know y'all's schedules are completely packed. Um, I think everyone knows by the intro that uh, I love New Orleans and I love this whole state for that matter. Uh, my own roots run deep here. And there are many people like myself um, who love New Orleans and its culture, uh, but few of them realize um, how very Catholic the city still is and how very Catholic it was from its origin and its founding. So I guess, you know, our first question just is, would you guys basically just riff a little bit on how deep these roots in Catholicism run within the city, how it helped shape it, and, um, you know, just basically tell us a little bit more about 
that. Sure. Well, thanks for having us, Anthony. We appreciate it. And uh, as you're right, this is a really special year for us um, as a city, but also as a church. Um, and the reason why the Archdiocese is celebrating this uh, special year with the city is because the city has actually had three governments in its time, in its 300 years, but the church has been a constant here from the very beginning, even before it was a city. And so we saw this as a great opportunity with our Archbishop to uh, use this as a time to evangelize, a time to uh, uh, reinvigorate the faith of um, people that go to church and even to kind of pose it as a question to those that don't uh, to, to say that as the city celebrates the, this momentous year um, that Jesus and his church has been here for, from the very beginning so um, we came with the settlers from the very beginning the various waves of settlers have always brought clergy with them um, often to minister in their own uh, ethnic diversity in their own language and settled around uh, the city um, before it was a diocese or an archdiocese. And it's been woven through the fabric of the city. You know, um, we see it in the architecture. Pete and I were just talking about this the other day. We had a, a tricentennial lecture on um, architecture, church architecture in particular. You see that being involved now, a lot of Spanish influence, a lot of French influence. Um, of course, it's woven into um, food. We're about to celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph. Absolutely. And so St. Joseph <laughs> tables, or St. Joseph's altars, mm -hmm. as they're called here, um, not really celebrated anywhere else in the United States, but here a great devotion to St. Joseph, initially by the Italian community, the Sicilian community in particular, but now it's become a celebration for the whole culture. And really it's kind of a gathering of food, um, and it's done in a very attractive, beautiful way, that, but in the end it's given to the poor and given to those in need. So um, it's a, an opportunity to gather around prayer and around a particular Catholic saint, a very important Catholic saint, um, celebrating a community, celebrating an ethnicity, but then it's always about um, the care of the poor and the sick who are always with us trying to raise the dignity of human people. Um, Jazz, you know, we were talking about before this began that some of our parishes, um, because of um, their ethnic roots, uh, jazz has influenced even some of the music that's celebrated in the Mass and in the churches around prayer experiences. That's a great influence, too. So uh, Catholicism is really woven through the culture here. You mentioned some of the street names, our streets of saints, um, uh, our local... Uh, heroes and heroines. We have saints and blesseds who have walked the streets here of the city of New Orleans and their influence is still very much palatable, including, and I'll, we'll claim him as our own, right, Pete? Um, uh, St. John Paul II, we're, we're claiming him as one of our own here, even though he's one of several. You know, we can name uh, Henriette de Lille, who starts the Sisters of the Holy Family, Blessed Silos, Catherine Drexel, who starts Xavier University. We can name them. Um, but they've had a great impact and influence on the lives of everyday Catholic Christians that live here. Um, and I would think that that then influences how people raise their children, um, how young people then grow into Catholic Christian adults and choose to live their lives in a certain way, you know, following Jesus. So um, it has had great impact here. So it's a great time to celebrate all of that as the city celebrates governments and other things as well. You know, it's truly the, uh, the cradle of Catholicism in the United States. Uh, 
when you think about it, you know, the, uh, was, uh, where, where the uh, missionaries first came, as Father Dave just mentioned, uh, the thing that I just want to add a little bit more about today's thoughts, that when you look at the three religious orders and missionaries that came here in the 1700s, the Capuchins, the Jesuits, and the Ursulines, they're still here today. And that's the amazing thing. After 300 years, the Capuchins, St. Teresa of Avila Church, right around the corner from where we are now. The Jesuits, of course, operate Loyola University and Jesuit High School, uh, as well as two parishes in New Orleans. And, and the Ursulines, of course, uh, who were noted for you know, the prayers that they, uh, that they lifted up to the Lord uh, during the, the, the War of 1812 with Angel, Angel Jackson. And they're here with Ursuline. Academy as well as a shrine. Didn't they stop a fire with some of their prayers as well? well yeah, at the end of a war, basically. <laughs> war. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are some additional thoughts that uh, you know might. Uh, and New Orleans really, as a result of those early religious settlers, and then this becoming, as Pete said, kind of a, a, a cradle. Catholic area, a lot of other religious orders came, including my own, the Dominicans came, but a lot of religious women came to be nurses and to be educators, and really so we stand on the shoulders of a lot of holy men and women um, in religious life, but also in the pews, huh, that have passed faith on to their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren up to today, um, but it, it's powerful if you think about it, um, you know, we sort of became a little mini-Vatican. I've heard someone say that the New Orleans because they had so many religious institutions, uh, schools and hospitals, parishes. Um, we were sort of like a little mini-Vatican in the South. Um, and a lot of these great um, uh, religious orders, and of course the diocesan priests, we had some great powerful bishops and archbishops um, who basically have been both bold and faithful. You know, because in the beginning we were... You know, we, we, you know, we were with settlers, huh? And then, as time goes on, we were woven in the fabric of who this city is, is and becomes. When I get to gushing about this place, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people find it fascinating when I tell them that, you know, the, the initial founders of, of the city, you know, had a priest with them who actually blessed the land, you know, that, that the whole city has, has grown up on and and has been consecrated to, you know, I mean, immediately, you know, with, with there was, uh, there's a, there's a statue, I'm trying to remember, is it near or off of Decatur Street that has the American Indian with uh, the, the priest that was brought over um, as well, I think Father Athanase, I think was his name, in the... I'm not sure about that statue. But okay. We, but, I mean, we have lots of statues of, of course. holy men and women around the city, right. you know, um... But I'm not sure about that one. But it's not to say that it's not true. Right, right. One of the interesting things about, um, you know, the church's early evangelization programs, clergy always came with, um, you know, immigrants that came here. Absolutely. Sadly, today we're at a place where that's not happening. And so today that's an actual challenge for the church as New Orleans, like any other major metropolitan area in the United States, is we're, we're kind of receiving new people sometimes they don't come with clergy. So that presents a challenge for us because then we have to learn their culture and learn their language and it becomes an exchange of gifts. Huh? We invite them into our culture but then we want to deeply reverence their culture as well. So um, it's an opportunity. It's a great opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, and you know, Father David, you were you were mentioning uh, your own order, uh, the Dominicans, the Order of Preachers, um, and how um, you know you've you've come to New Orleans, and and obviously uh, we, when we were speaking on the phone the other day, you know a good friend of mine, uh, and your your province is the the New Orleans province, so it was actually where it's located. Um, so apart from incredible intellectual dedication, your order is also known particularly for preaching, a most effective form of evangelization. So I was wondering if you might sort of tell us how um, New Orleans itself, steeped in its Catholic culture, embraces not just new evangelization, but also making um, even those who don't share our faith feel welcome. Well, I think one of the great things about New Orleans, and it's been described as a gumbo, huh? That's right. Yeah. So really, everybody gets kind of mixed in with the roux here. And I think, I mean, um, it's wonderful that people are accepted, first of all, for being people. And then the various aspects of how they self-identify adds to that conversation. So um, it's been really powerful for me to come here and find a wonderful ecumenical interfaith relationship that the Catholic Church has here with the various religious traditions that are here. Um, and sure, we have differences, right? I mean, um, and we note those differences, but there's something at the core um, about working and living with good people of all faith traditions that we want to we, we want to raise up the dignity of every human person we want to speak to the truths of of who God is and also who people are and so we work on common projects and common causes together we're more powerful when we stand and speak together um, about certain issues especially around you know raising up the dignity of the poor and um, pro-life issues and a lot of other things. We're more powerful when we stand up together, um, even though we recognize that there are theological differences. Um, and, but it, it's a wonderful way of building relationship and, and living next door to one another, rubbing elbows with one another. Um, that's who we are. And, uh, and we've had really great leaders that have held that up as a value. Right, Pete? You, you Absolutely. Know. And we have an uh, interesting point here. We have 84 Catholic schools in the Archdiocese. Many of these schools, uh, the kids that attend are not Catholic. And you talk to so many of the, the parents that, that decide that they want to send their child to a Catholic school, what you get is a fairly common theme. But the reason they're there, they find that the public schools, the charter schools that their child was attending, did a good job of forming the mind, educating the mind. What they find in the Catholic school is that the heart is being formed, and they see that difference. They see that you know the kids are being formed in that way, so that they want to be more servant-oriented, and, and uh, that's a very positive thing about what happens in, here in the community. So, in terms of the ecumenical aspects of it, the, the educational component is, uh, is is very strong in that regard. I'm a uh byproduct of, of Catholic education from my entire life, from, from elementary school to high school to, uh, you know, undergrad and university and to grad school, and, and if God gives me enough life to finish this doctorate, it will also come from a Catholic university. So, uh, you know, that, that's, there's a reason why I've never strayed away from my Catholic education is because, you know, as you mentioned, Pete, that formation of, of the heart, um, there's always something comforting even in the midst of any academic, social, or intellectual 
uh, trouble, you know, coming in and seeing the man who came off the cross and, and, and rose from the dead and, and still lives in each one of our hearts today. There's something that has always drawn me back to Catholic education, and that was that, was that very heart, that was that, that hope in the resurrection. It, it's interesting, too, you know, because even my interaction with some of the college and university students at Xavier and Tulane and other places, um, and I can actually think of two examples where a Jewish student and a Muslim student both said to me on separate occasions, um, we're better Jews, we're better Muslims because you're better Catholics. And so it, basically it's an affirmation that one, our schools or maybe our campus ministry sites um, make them feel at home and welcomed. So um, where we always recognize there are differences, sure, but <clears throat> at the very core of who we are, we're, we're gods, right? And so we start there and then we build from there. We find how can we build the common good together. So it's pretty powerful, and it's great that we're open to that, I think. Amen to that. Gentlemen, I know that you guys have some other pressing engagements today, so I'm going to just take maybe a few more moments, two more questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, this city perseveres. You know, we, we have seen and heard so many different trials and tribulations that this city has been through, and I, f I feel like um, for people who don't live here, maybe that's all they see are, are these trials and that the city overcomes. But there's so many, you know, uh, great things beyond the adversity and the overcoming. And there's, there's everyday successes that happens here. And nevertheless, um, these things that people do see, these adversities from natural disasters, Hurricane Katrina comes to mind, to economic downturn and the crash in the markets in 2008, uh, to even racial uh, in inequalities and income disparities and things like that, I can't help but feel like faith and perseverance kind of go hand in hand, and you can truly see that illustrated in this city. What say you guys? I think, uh, Anthony, a couple of, couple of points. Uh, number one, I think it's really important to note that we've had incredible leadership here in this archdiocese. Uh, going back to the days, you know, when we uh, had uh, uh, Archbishop Francis Rummel, uh, who uh, was so strong uh, a proponent of, uh, of, of racial integration. But beyond it, in, in, in the, as some might say, in the current time, uh, since the, you know, since the '60s, uh, we've had Archbishop Philip Hammond, uh, we've had Archbishop Francis Schulte, Archbishop Alfred Hughes, and our current Archbishop Gregory Amy, who's the first Native son to be. Uh, Archbishop of, 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 of this diocese, I think a big part of dealing with these the natural things that have happened. You mentioned uh, Katrina. Well, in 1965, uh, Archbishop Hannon had just arrived here from Washington, where he was auxiliary bishop, and the devastation was great in Hurricane Betsy, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, he he put his uh, shoulder to the wheel and took control and didn't dealt with all aspects of the rebuilding of the city. Not just the Catholic aspects, but all aspects. Developed programs that, that still exist today. Uh, programs that, that be dealing with uh, a care for the elderly, uh, caring for the poor through Catholic charities. Uh, developed uh, Second Harvest Food Bank, uh, which uh, still is very, very vibrant today in, in service uh, of thousands of uh, families uh, with, with food. Uh, Chateau de Notre Dame, which is a uh, component of, of uh, 
to develop uh, nursing homes and, and, and uh, care, for, care for the uh, elderly. Uh, they were committed to uh, a nursing home type environment. So I would say the, the, the key in all of that was, was the leadership uh, and the, the ability to mobilize people uh, to deal with the various disasters that we've seen. Uh, in the recent time, it's been primarily that, uh, those, those hurricanes we haven't dealt with. You mentioned earlier uh, the fires, you know, back that happened back in the, uh, before Louisiana was, was even belonged to the U.S. and when, when the Spanish uh, owned, uh, uh, you know, the city, was in control of the city. Uh, but those fires, we haven't dealt with that. Uh, significant major fires that you know destroyed essentially the whole town, but it's been a, a, a huge uh, outreach to uh, to the community in terms of, of, of uh, dealing with the natural disasters, and and really in, in the city today uh, is, uh, uh, is 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 strong and, and, and uh, built on that on, on the basis of the leadership that we've seen from uh, from the archbishops. In, in many ways, uh, you know, my, my training is, is in spiritual theology, so I, I always sort of look into the, the spiritual aspects and components and everything, and then just whenever I, I get to talking to people about um, how this city and this place continues to overcome and, and, and rebuild after any, anything that has, has been any of these negative adversities that we've seen, I always just think this place bears the spirit of the resurrection. Nothing can stop it, you know, uh, from, from coming back from, from ruin in, in many ways. And so I just, I always sort of get inspired by that. And, and it's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to hear in our conversations this morning, so many of the good things that are happening here. And, you know, I, I know you mentioned the, the great leadership that this archdiocese has had, that leadership uh, obviously, isn't isn't just in the the men that have led it, but the spirit of who lives through those men. They are animated by, of course, the very person who has called all of us to into our vocations. And so that's that's another beautiful way to to look at these things. I think uh, my final question for you guys. You know, we mentioned in in y'all's intro as you're both co-chairing the the tricentennial committee for the archdiocese. Um, that there have probably been a number of, uh, I don't want to say out, outreach um, opportunities, but perhaps exhibits or programs that uh, have gone on or that have passed or that are even still, still coming up relating to the tricentennial celebration. I was wondering if you could maybe tell us about some of those uh, programs or exhibits around the city, um, what your hopes are for right. them, or um, even what you hope other people could take away from them. We'll both jump in on this, but the uh, couple of things we'll mention. Uh, the uh, one thing that was kind of neat is that the, uh, the, the committee, our committee, uh, had a, uh, a program to uh, uh, encourage people to think about writing a hymn. Okay. And of course, and, and we had a competition. Uh, and, and the winner of the hymn was a hymn called Thanks Be to God. That's being used extensively in, in everything that is going on this uh, during this tricentennial. Uh, Do you have a favorite line from it, Pete, that you'd be allowed to share with us? Or? Well, I tell you what, my, I, I can't sing. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's my only problem. I can't either. That's why I just do a talk show. <laughs> Well, Dave, I know. Well, I'm not going to sing, but I think the interesting thing about this is both in, in well in English, in in Vietnamese. 
And there's a very large Vietnamese population here. The response here, is woven, yeah. and it's basically thanks be to God. Now, what more do you have to say? It's I know. Like, that's the refrain that's woven throughout the hymn. And it's really a posture, and we were kind of alluding to it last in the last question. It's about a people of hope. Absolutely. You know, so whatever happens, God's there before we get there, right? And God's going to sustain us and through the good and the bad, and so we have to be grateful, and the posture is one of gratitude. So thanks be to God is the name of the hymn. But that's one of the things. But, you know, we had an opening liturgy for the year at the cathedral. And at that opening liturgy in January, not only were there dignitaries there, but we also um, dedicated a statue of John Paul II in the front of the cathedral, which is new. Got to see it yesterday. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. But then we've, we've had two lectures. Two, uh, we have four total planned. Two right. have already been completed. Uh, one of them, the first one was uh, that we mentioned, was about the saints that have have been here in New Orleans, either were born here uh, or came in and influenced the, uh, uh, the, the, the city population. We just finished the one that Father David mentioned earlier about the, uh, the various churches and churches that were built here in the 1700s uh, and in the history of that. We have two more events coming up in the fall. Uh, we also have a, 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 here in April, we have an ecumenical conference coming up uh, as part of this, uh, this initiative. And then we're going to crown everything with a celebration uh, at Xavier University on November the 3rd. Uh, we'll bring in a keynote speaker and we'll, we'll, we'll have a, a liturgy with Archbishop Amy and a number of, of workshops uh, for people to come and participate in. So the program is fairly uh, dynamic and, and, uh, and well planned. And that's, for the Dave and I, really, that's where we spend our time is trying to get that organized, working with a great committee and uh, to pull all this together. And the breakout sessions are on a variety of topics for that day. It sort of serves as a day of education, a day of spiritual catechesis, a day of formation, and it'll be open to anyone who wants to come. And um, But, it, but we're, it, part of that is also we're looking at the past and thanking God for that. We're looking at our present moment. We're also looking to the future. So a piece of that is even to kind of recognize um, the people who have come recently you know, the diversity of cultures that are here, and what gifts do they bring, you know. So, of course, always, you know, the African-American experience that has so greatly influenced the Catholic Church and the city here, but also um, the influence of various Asian communities, in particular the Vietnamese, and then um, now locally the Hispanic community is sizable, and we would not be recovered to the point we were we are without that um, Hispanic culture influence in helping us to rebuild the city. Um, so we're, we're, again, that, that whole notion of being a gumbo, a spiritual gumbo here is a great visual way of understanding who we are and where we hope to be in the future. So we're blessed. And my ears perk up when you said spiritual gumbo, not just because I like gumbo, but of course I'm a spirituality nerd. So right. that was particularly insightful for me. Gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for, for sitting down and for, for doing our little show uh, today. Again, the very Reverend David Karen, who is a Dominican friar, Dominican priest. So he's got that beautiful O.P. at the end of his name, and Mr. Peter Quirk. Uh, again, these are respectively uh, the Vicar for Evangelization for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Uh, Peter is the Development Director for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and together they are co-chairs for the Archdiocese Tricentennial Committee as New Orleans continues to celebrate its 300 years of Catholicism. We thank you for listening to Eternal Insight today. I am still, as I was at the beginning, Anthony Marinese, and we hope 
that you will continue to join us for other shows in the future. Father, will you close us out with a little blessing, please? Sure. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks and praise for everything, but here in New Orleans, especially for 300 years of faith. Help us to have hearts and ears open to your Holy Spirit as we together discern new ways to preach and teach the gospel of your Son and invite others into the reality that your eternal word influences who we are. Bless us and all those who listen to us. May we be a people of peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, this is great.